Let's go. Yep. Sports Dev Series with yours truly. Today we have a special guest in the building. My man. You know, <laughs> currently an undefeated heavyweight boxer in the United States, originally from Nigeria. Um, I've known this guy for a long time. Uh, <laughs> before he, he even played college basketball. Just to give you a quick background, Rafael played uh, college basketball at University of Miami, uh, started playing basketball in Nigeria, finished off, uh, ended up getting uh, chosen to play with the Miami Dolphins, and he had a stint um, in training camp with the Dolphins. And after all that, you know, um, has transitioned into boxing, and um, he's doing extremely well. Um, you know, he's currently undefeated and is rising, rising in the ranks. Um, so we feel very grateful to have him on. Um, <clears throat> and it's good seeing you again, Ralph, man. How far, man? Dude, I did, man. I did, man. It's been a while. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah, a while, man. I think we met up a lot. I mean, was it in 2007 or 2008? Yeah, yeah. You attended, uh, you attended the camp we had at University yeah. of Lagos. Yes. And uh yeah, you know what's funny is three of you guys that attended that camp, you uh Babatunde Sanusi and yeah. Imor, all yes. all all yeah, all ended up playing college basketball in the US. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, man. No, that was that was just shows the amount of talent in um in Nigeria, you know. There's a lot of talent out there, man. A lot. I mean, there's a lot of talent that made it and I mean there's much more that have not made it. You know, and we can say this because we've literally seen it. You know, we're yeah. the best player in any of these camps, except for maybe the um the the the. I was one of the best in basketball without borders, the one that got me to the Jordan Classic. But in any of the other camps, you know, I've never really been the best talent out there. You know, maybe I stood out with one or two things, but I would I won't say I'm the best. So the talent is is so much. You know, Nigeria is blessed with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of talented kids and athletes. And, you know, we just have to find ways to harness it. But, yeah, man, we met in 2007. It was a BEA camp, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. It was actually Youth Converse, the, oh. uh, yeah, my nonprofit. And, you know, we're hosting that camp because we had just started the uh, Student Athlete Scholarship Program. Okay. We're trying to, yeah, help uh, student athletes in Nigeria. Yeah. scholarships in the u.s and um we're able to get like some of those guys that attended the camp with you as well as some soccer players yeah. all uh, were beneficiaries of that program so that was that was um, a really good milestone for us and yeah. um but but to your point i swear it's 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 one of those things where in terms of harnessing it <clears throat> you know i don't know you know who who one has to reach out to and figure out but we have to harness it in the sense of creating hubs of talent development for a number of different sports all around the country you yeah. know so yeah. you know um for everywhere from i don't care from meduguri to sokoto to lagos to Calabar, you know you just need because like you said rightfully there's just so many guys and and, and yeah. women by the way that don't even have access to the very fundamental facilities that they need, uh -huh. you know, I mean, look at you, for instance, you, you played basketball, uh -huh. you found out you could play football at the highest level. 
<laughs> and then you turn around and you're, you're a boxer, a professional and undefeated and, you know, and, and you have the tools to actually go all the way. So, I mean, it, it's just it's just an amazing um, sort of country with, with over 60% of the population under the age of 25. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, you know, for, for people like us, and I say us just in terms of people that are involved in sport and have kind of done different things, you know, I almost feel like there's a responsibility to try to figure out how to do something privately. Uh-huh. Um, not through the government, you and I know why, but privately, um, you know, to, to, to go, go that route. <clears throat> but for you, I think, what was, what was that experience like going through that whole thing with basketball, you know, um, the camps you were, you attended so many camps, basketball without borders, Nike, you know, you came, I remember when you came to the U S in, in Atlanta, when we were in Atlanta, you remember that, that whole ordeal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, and and you just going through that whole thing, ending up in a prep school. Goodness, Raphael, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. That's a that's a hell of a journey. What what what? As a young person that time, you know, even when I when when I was talking to you in Atlanta, that time I was just thinking to myself, what's going through this guy's head, man? Like, <laughs> You know, I mean, there's not really much going through your head. You know, you know that you have something. You just don't know how to get there. Uh, you have when I say you have something, I could play basketball, and yeah. I was, I knew I was a talent. You know, I hadn't busted my ankle then, so I had NBA put down dreams, and it was very much in hand. You know, it was yeah. I was very close to being grasped. Um, the only thing that was going through my head at that time was um, coming from Nigeria. Um, I need to get in school here. I need to show what I have to do. I'm not afraid to get on the plane and fly 6,000 miles, 6,000 miles from Lagos to Atlanta or Lagos to New York or wherever I have to get to, to make this dream happen because a whole lot of people have done it before me. You know, then we had Solomon Alabi that had done it. We had um they get do that i mean we had people that we knew that had done it and they'd been successful so we knew that we would be fine you know we had i mean in nigeria you know we did our research you know we already we already spoken to lots of coaches we attended attended that messiah camp the the gen of africa camp by godwin Owinje. so we met these coaches and we just we came here with just a dream and the ability to work hard and we knew it was going to be all right. I mean, we knew that we we're going to make life better. We knew that where we were going was better than where we were coming from. Because like you said, Nigeria is Nigeria as we know it. You know, <laughs> you know, we, we know how bad things can get and how bad things are. So that's the only thing that was in my head at that time. You know, I had a dream and a plan to make it. And the plan was to go through hard work. And uh, it's been an interesting journey since then, you know. No, no, it has, it has, and you, and you know what? You've done exceptionally well, man. Dude, yeah. You've come out, you've you've worked hard, extremely hard, in, and all that stuff. I remember you get when you guys came to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech. Yeah, you at that time, yeah, you've you've you've, you've gone through challenges, hurdles, coaches. <laughs> I tell you, man. You know what? All those all those things make make yeah. sense. Make you stronger. You know that's why box. I I I um I love boxing so much. Even football, I respect football players so much because 
um, with when you say when you bring up the coaches issue um, with with basketball, you know, the politics is there. You know, if the coach is not feeling you too much, your career is pretty much screwed. You know, um, with football, it's it's a little better because your talent will show out on the field. But still, you can get screwed. You know, with boxing, you can't get screwed. Once you get in the ring, you decide how things are going to go. And once, once, once that decision is made, that opens the doors, and the doors open exponentially. You know, you can win your first fight, and the excitement is there for the second fight. And when you win five fights, you have state recognition. When you win 10 fights, you have national recognition. When you're 18 and 0, 15 and 0, um, you probably have worldwide recognition at that time. You know, so um, you get to decide how your life is going to go as a, as a boxer because you really take matters into your own hands, liter quite literally, too. You know, so that's why I respect uh, boxing so much. And boxing, I mean, mostly individual sports because you're your own man. You What you put in is what you get out. There's no extra uh, emotional uh, – there's no emotional per there's no person that's gonna affect you by how he feels. You know, you get to decide how things want to go. Yeah, you know, and and the thing is, what, what do you think about in boxing there? Because you know, I'm a big boxing fan. So I think um, you know, if if someone was to ask me now, being the fan that I am, who's your favorite boxer now? I'd probably say now, since that you're in it, I'll say my man Ralph. <laughs> My man Ralph. Will what, what was that? I will be soon. No, no, you are, you are, you are, my man, you are. But you know what? What do you think is the, <clears throat> you know, in boxing sometimes, if you're on a particular network, mm-hmm. and when you watch boxing fights, sometimes yeah. the fighter that's on their network, the commentators, like they just pretty much give that fighter all the green lights. Like it's almost even when you're watching the fight. Sometimes I, I turn off the volume when I watch fights because. You know, the other guy will land, you know, land a straight right. And they'll be like, oh, and they don't say anything. Meanwhile, when their fighter lands a small hook, oh, nice hook by this guy. And I'm just like, guys, come on, man. It's all about money, man. Yeah, yeah. You see that a lot. Exactly. I mean, if if uh, if I'm signed to top rank and maybe Pat. I mean, you saw that when, uh, what do you call it? You saw that when Lomachenko was fighting um, Teofimo. Teofimo, yeah. You yeah. saw um, Andre Ward's scorecard. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, and it was coming from a guy, Andre Ward. Come on, bro. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I came into the fight supporting um, Lomachenko, but there was no yeah. way in hell I gave any of the first seven rounds to Lomachenko. Lomachenko, same here. Wait, yeah. But you know what? I try not to criticize Ward because he was my favorite fighter. Yeah, was- <laughs> but, but, yeah, man, too. You know? No, no, but but Ward is actually. You're right, though. I saw those cars and I was like, "Come on, man!" Come on, and, and you know what? Everyone there, they were criticizing these judges, especially that one judge that had it so lopsided for Lomachenko. Yeah. But then I was like, "Wait a second! That judge's card is similar to what I was watching." Yeah, that you know? was, I have a problem with it. Yeah, because I was watching, I was like, listen, this this guy, he didn't do anything the first seven rounds. First seven Nothing. rounds, he lost it hands down. Yeah. You yeah. know, the next five are disputed. The next five, I can say maybe he, I'll give him two out of the remaining five or maybe maximum three. Absolutely. Even the last round that they both went at it, that's a 50-50 round. Yes, yes. But you know what's crazy? They kept saying, oh, 
uh, if Teofimo didn't win that last round. That's not. You know, I was like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, this was so one-sided. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Like, it, what's crazy is, you know what's crazy about that is if Lomachenko had maybe put together some combinations in those yeah. first seven rounds. Yes. They would have given him those. Yeah. They would have found a way to give him something. And, and that's that's one of the issues I have with boxing in the sense yeah. that sometimes you have uh, network fighters. Yes. And you see things where it's like, oh, well, you know, you could tell. And it used to happen on HBO a lot too. When, yeah. um, you know, I remember Roman Chocolatito, remember they had him as pound for pound one time and I yeah. couldn't, I was like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. Why do they have this guy pound for pound? Like, and then he gets knocked out. Yeah, twice. You know, twice. And same thing with, even with ESPN, you know, they had, uh, what's his name? Lomachenko, pound for pound, over Terrence Crawford. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. That, that, that was None. Awesome. None. You know, and then he get, he loses to Teofimo, mm-hmm. who, by the way, some people believe... They still believe have Aero Spence. Yes, they still have above Aero Spence. Can you imagine? And me, who, by the way, Teofimo, some people believe Devin Haney will get him. That right, so... That's not even a smart thing to say as a human being or a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think Devin Haney will get him? No way in hell. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, how? I want to see that fight, though. Come on, man. Like, we know boxing. He can't. Devin Haney or Garcia cannot, can't stand in front of him. Um, what's his name? Teofimo is good. Like, listen, the boy is a bad boy, but Devin Haney is a bad boy, too. Yeah, he's a bad boy, yeah. but he's not, he's not putting anything on Teofimo. Like, come on, man. He yeah, might have. I, I, he might have a chance to go the distance, but no, nah, he's not. He's not. I, I want to see that fight before Teofimo tries to move to 140, though. He yeah. needs to stay at 135 so I can see that fight. Yeah. But um, but anyways, listen, I'm 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 jumping into boxing ahead of time. Let's let's let me get back to to basketball. So yeah. with the yeah, so with 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 that whole thing after you settled and going through that whole process, you know um, that UM experience, what was it like, man? Um, UM was beautiful, man. Um, I came in. Uh, I actually, I uh, I was recruited from. I mean, backtrack a little bit. Uh, when I came to the United States, I went to Mount Zion. Um, I played AU basketball where I busted my ankle, and uh, my scholarship was revoked in Mount Zion. I was bedridden for a few months. Lost my scholarship. I remember, I remember I man. Then I, I remember, to- yeah. And I went to Sunrise Christian Academy in Wichita, Kansas. That's where I got myself back. And uh, I played, I, I played, I got back to playing basketball again. And I came back to uh, UM. I came to UM from there. Um, how I did that, I don't know because I played, I was playing on one foot that whole AU season. <laughs> you know, I got recruited there. I went to UM, played basketball for four years. It was good, it was promising. Um, but, you know, I lost my passion for basketball at UM. Um, it was it was a gradual process of uh, breaking down that passion. Um, um, after my, after my, I think it was my, after my, my junior year in college, um, I met up with Chris Carter, the, the wide receiver. Wide receiver coach, yeah. So I played basketball with him like in the off season, and that's where he started telling me. He just came out of nowhere. He was telling me to go play basketball, play football, and um, I, I kind of thought it was stupid. 
Uh, at one time, when he was saying it, but he said he knows what he's talking about. I should definitely do it. He actually told me to quit my senior year of basketball and go play two years for our Golden's football team, which was, at that time, was just a ridiculous statement coming from somebody who was just waiting for his senior year, you know? And uh, looking back at it, I kind of wish I did it. Was he, was, he, was he telling you to play tight end? He was, yeah, he wanted me to play tight end. Um, he wanted me to play tight end. Um, that's what he saw, you know, based on, he said this is based on the way you moved. Now, he kind of, I won't say he retracted, but he told me to consider defensive end. And defensive end to me was more interesting because you're just a flat out beast as a defensive end, you know, and you get to, like I said, you also get to decide your future as a defensive end. You don't wait for a quarterback to throw you the ball. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to put your on blocking duties. You don't have to worry about reading routes. All you have to do is <clears throat> the edge and go for the quarterback. Go for the quarterback, go for the running back and see the edge, you know, and just be a beast in all three duties. You know, that's that's kind of what I felt as a defensive end I should have I should have done. Um, but I, I resorted to playing uh, uh, tight end for UM. Um, after my senior year in college, our Golden did ask me to come play football, um, I, which I did. Um, unfortunately, the NCAA did not, um, the NCAA didn't, uh, uh, what do they call it? They didn't give me the pass to play for the season. Because at that time, UM had gone through a death penalty with some uh, Shapiro thing. So, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. So some scholarships were taken away, so they didn't have enough scholarships. So I came in with my basketball scholarship, but I couldn't play football because if I had played football, the scholarship would have switched to football. So I was on the practice squad, and I had a blast on the practice squad, man. It was amazing. I, uh, all the whole, Everybody in the practice squad is in the NFL today. You know, we had a blast. You know, the, the I, we had David Njoku. We have uh, uh, we had a lot of people on the practice practice squad. I, the most, Chris Herndon, um, the defensive guys, a whole lot of all, a whole lot of them. Scotty, Scotty, uh, what's his name? I forgot his name. Forgot did did you? Were you playing end? With, no, with I, played, the I, I was playing receiver actually on the practice oh. squad. Oh, okay. I played wide receiver on the practice squad because I couldn't block for, for anything. <laughs> 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 how much? How much? Uh, how much did you weigh at the time? I was like two fifty. Damn, you're a big receiver, six eight two fifty. Yeah, I was playing receiver. I, I mean, I was bullying uh, cornerbacks. Oh, yeah, I bet. So the only guy that could really stand me was Ladarius Gunter. He plays. I think he. I don't know if you've seen the league. Um, he played for the Green Bay pa Park, um, Green Bay Packers. Um, that's the only guy that really would try to take me all the, at all times and try to fight me, you know, because it was, was a big corner, you know, so I was like a challenge to him. Um, but it was, we had a blast in pra the practice squad, man. I was, I, I got better. I learned football. I learned all the schemes, all the plays, you know, all the routes. I ran route trees every day. I was with quarterbacks all day. Um, then from the practice squad, I had an amazing pro day. My numbers were like in the top performers of in the country. Uh, my 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 bird jump was the highest for a tight end. My broad jump was the highest for a tight end. My L drill was the highest for a tight end. Everything was wow. just the highest for and the whole class. I'm talking about the combine and the pro day. You know, I, but my yeah. my time was terrible. You know, 
because I just got up and run. I didn't run. <laughs> yeah, there's a technique. There's a technique behind yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, you know what's great. You know, I play, I play football at UCF, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, I, that's why there's a smile on my face listening to you talk. But I think yeah. going, looking, knowing what you know now, if when we met in Lagos, I say, hey, listen, instead <laughs> 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 of playing basketball, listen. I want to take you to the U.S. to go play defensive end. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what that is. Yeah, yeah, you'd have probably looked at me like, this guy is crazy. And I mean, then you look at football with all the kids and the smashes, and you'd be like, nah, that's not for me. Yeah. You know? But when you come here and you realize that, oh, I can actually do this. I mean, also, there's a transition to it. Coming from Nigeria, I was 185, 201 pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The country had 198, 201 pounds. You know, the first, yeah, the first time I weighed, I was 201 pounds. Yeah. Day 201, skinny as hell. So there's no way in hell you'd have told me to go play to gain 50 pounds in in a few seasons and start playing football. I would I would. Actually, what I would have done is I'd have said you should go play football at a prep school. Yeah. Right? So with your height, even if you were 200 pounds, Mm-hmm. You know, they'd have put you in a weight program. A lot of prep schools would have taken you as a D-end. You'd have, you'd have, off pure athleticism, you'd have yeah. gotten a lot of sacks. And then you'd have gone into college. By the time you get into college, you're probably about 210, 215, close to yeah. 220. Yeah. And then at that point yeah. there, you, as a freshman, yeah. By yeah. your junior year, and yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, by your junior year, you'd be t- almost 260, ready to go. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, but you know what? It, it is sometimes people don't under, don't know they have the skill for football, especially especially in Nigeria. And I've seen well, so many. Nigerians. Take much, you know, but you have yeah. to find a way to transition into it. I mean, I'm just talking based on what I know. You yeah. Can't pull a Nigerian and turn to go play football because one, football players have been playing football since they were kids. They understand schemes and um, you know, they they understand all that. You can't just pull us out to go play it. Uh-huh. Um, now you can pull us out to go play a uh, line, play on the line, but running routes, corner routes. Close no, 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 no. That's a, that, that, that's that's the process. The yeah. the the line positions, especially end. Absolutely, I think. Yeah. But but there's a certain even with that, you have to train the person to have the mentality. Yes. You know, they, they, to understand the fundamentals of playing the position. You know, to what to look for. What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? There's a culture behind it, you know. There's a, there's a there, there are a few things that, you know, you would have to school them on <clears throat> first, and then they have to get used to contact. Yeah, contact you know, is the first thing that you have to you have to get your mind right for. Mm-hmm. And what, I mean, the first time I really got hit was during the Oklahoma drill. Uh, <laughs> boy, it was actually my boy that was Crawford. He was a safety. Yo, he hit me. My head was like, whoa, you know, yeah. when I got hit and I survived that day, I think that was one of the, probably the second day of training camp. When I got <laughs> hit and I survived that day, I was like, okay, you know what? Don't go with your head. Um, mm, nah. You know, and that's when I, okay, you know what? This is, this is, I, then I figured out how to, how to go through it. You know, but that contact thing, the contact is in the mind. It is. You know, there was a time also that I, I also embraced contact because every time I caught the ball and I see you come in, you're in trouble because I'm going straight at you. You're straight at you. Yeah. For me to go straight at you, than for me to go away from you. 
And every time I hit somebody, he fell. You know, every time I hit a linebacker, he fell. I might, you know, or most times I would burn a linebacker. You know, so I mean, the contact thing was more of a mind, of a mind issue. You know, now the one when you don't get when you don't see the guy when you don't see the guy coming and you get hit, that's where the problem lies. But if I saw you and I'm with the ball, it's a wrap. You're not stopping me. Yeah, was Jay was Jay Ajayi? Was he there when you were there? He was at the Dolphins when I was there. He was. Yeah. Oh, okay. We came in together actually. Yeah. Uh, who was the defensive end? Was it Cam Cameron Wake? Was Cam it Cam Wake? Wake? Was a uh, wasn't he like a tight end? No, I think it was a D end. Cam Wake was there, but I think he was uh came from Canada. He played in the Canadian Football League I and then came in. A, I think it was a tight end. Yeah, I might get it mixed up. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, but Jaja, he was there now. Yeah, it was there. It was there. Nah, nah, yeah, guy. Nah, nah. was there too. Uh, my boy from UM. Actually, he was signed to David Canter. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh, um, Olivia Vernon, OV. Mm. OV was there. That's cool, man. That's a hell of an experience, man. It was a great experience, man. Amazing. I would never trade it for the world. Uh, when I got released, I wasn't mad, you know. So, that. I, yeah, and you know, there are a lot of guys, um, that play college ball around the country. Yeah. That would give their left arm just to have that. <laughs> just I, to know, have that. I know, man. I know. Yeah. Um, at first, I was mad that uh, I was mad that I didn't get retained. But the next year, that's when I was actually grateful because I saw a lot of people who had given so much in four years of football yeah. who, call, who never got a call. Yeah, you never got a chance. Yeah. You never got a chance. And yeah. here I am not even playing up to a year of football and not even wearing student up one time and actually being on a practice squad on a, a professional football team with a chance to actually be good you know and actually yeah. i was on the team actually giving press conference to the media you know everybody the camera was all over me you know and i, I was just grateful you know like, absolutely gratitude absolutely. came a year after it didn't come that year yeah yeah only one back that's when i was actually grateful for the, the opportunity that I had. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where, you know, things happen for a reason in life and you were able to do that. And from that, boom, next thing you know, you're lacing the, glo you're lacing the gloves. You know, you're lacing the gloves. What, what was your first day in the gym like? What, first of all, what gym do you go to in Miami? There are lots of gyms here, actually. Um, yeah. There are, the, there are the, the, the legacy gyms, the Fifth Street Gym, there's the Tropical Park Boxing Gym, um, those are the legacy gyms. The official gym is obviously the Muhammad Ali's gym. The tropical yeah. park, that's where the mundo boxing and, uh, you know, that's where some type of training. That every every athlete goes to tropical park to train. So it's like an athletic pool of professionals that train that that um, neighborhood. Um, there's some isn't isn't, isn't Bermain Stevern from Miami? He's, he's yeah, down there a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's actually from Miami. I don't know where he trains. Yeah, oh, okay. Probably somewhere up north in Broward. Um but yeah, that that's that's those are the gyms that are around here in Miami. Um I started training at the first gym I went to was a gym in um Ball Harbor. Is it Ball Harbor or North Bay North Bay Village? Um Mickey Damon's boxing and fitness. The guy was actually the um boxing coach for the University of Miami club boxing team. So that's why I started boxing. 
That's what I, that's that's why I started training for boxing. Yeah. What, what was that like? First time you stepped in the gym. Um, I mean, how long did how long did it take before they start before you started sparring? Oh, I mean, I I got in the gym February and I started mm -hmm. sparring in May. Okay. So I had a <clears throat> four months. You know, I started I started boxing. I mean, I, the first two weeks I did like a boxing class just to learn the one two one two. Mm, yeah. You know that and that's not normal nonsense um <laughs> you know my feet were all over the place that's actually the girl who started training me first um she sent me a video of um what i looked like the first time i it's <laughs> the most embarrassing thing. i mean that's a legacy video in my opinion um it's the most embarrassing thing i've ever seen in my life that i've done um so after two weeks um uh i started like doing the regular i started I was a, there was a boxer who was there also. I started like imitating him, um, trying to like shadow boxing, moving around, hitting the bag. Then the coach that was there, he told me that uh, he introduced me to another boxing coach. Um, that was like uh, an amateur. That was a uh, that was this is a former coach. So I started training with that guy who kind of taught me the the basics and the fundamentals. Um, how to really properly place the jab, how to put your feet behind punches. Just he just introduced me to the sport of professional amateur boxing, of boxing training. So I kind of he, he had issues. Um, so I kind of moved on from him and I went to my amateur coach. Uh, with my amateur coach, that's when I started Ian Ford. I started um, really training for boxing as an amateur and um, had about year and a half a year and a month worth of amateur boxing i have about 14 amateur fights 13 wins one loss wow and i turned pro but let me ask you this when you were fighting as an amateur right this was because the olympics are next year mm -hmm. did you ever cross your mind to go fight for Nigeria in the olympics or not really um it was crazy I was actually in Olympic trials in Nigeria in February. You were? Yeah, I was. How'd it go? Nigeria, you should do your research on what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. yeah I was you know, there. you know, I've um, you know, there's this, uh, you know, people have said the story about AJ that AJ actually went to Nigerian camp. I wanted to actually fight for nigeria in the olympics instead of the uk mm -hmm. and the coach sent him away saying oh he came late and um it wasn't fair to the other guys and this guy ends up going to fight for uk and wins a gold medal i don't doubt that at all based on what i saw I don't yeah know. i also heard some uh where they asked him to bring money which i don't know if it's true but based on what i saw i don't doubt that that happened rafael tell me what you see now <laughs> 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 what do you see man oh, if you don't want to talk it's okay i feel you man i feel it's you not like i don't want to talk <clears throat> do they okay so let me ask you this do they spar like the trials it, is it based they stole the money wow they stole the money i got you yeah that's what happened yeah, and he stole everything. The coach, the coach actually ran the camp. Um, 
he the, the coach was not supposed to call the camp and he called the camp because he i'm sure he knew um i'm he he called the camp just to get boxes ready i'm sure he knew i'm sure he knew that the money had been stolen this is my personal opinion but he just wanted to save his own cover his own ass so they wouldn't say that we didn't go because the coach didn't prepare us you yeah. know i'm sure he knew yeah. beforehand that we're not gonna go but he called the camp and uh um he prepared the boxers for for the fight i mean we had people that flew in from different i had a, two people flying from the united states and one yeah. guy from the from the uk um so he called the camp everybody came they were at i mean the, the situation the conditions were really bad very bad but um i closed my eyes and did it because i i grew up in that um it, it just what it just what it is it's whatever you know it, it's the country you're fighting for so the conditions were very bad you know um i'm not we we had to pay it was it was terrible but the the was it was it was it in lagos or abuja national stadium ah okay so i know the gym you're talking about yeah we stayed at the national stadium so you stayed at that the quarters for yeah. what they call it okay, yeah. okay i know where you are yeah 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 um <clears throat> when, when it was time to go to senegal um they had uh uh they had taken they had stolen the money there was no money to go and uh they couldn't blame the coach because the coach already had the boxers ready to go he'd been in camp so they were trying to say oh nobody told the coach to call the camp why did he call the camp the coach was like well we have a competition i have to get the boxes ready with money or not whether that was money or not so when the money comes we're ready to go so they couldn't put the blame on the coach and everybody has to go home you know the, wow. the 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 were ready to go everybody was ready to go to senegal and every country was there but nigeria what you know every country was at the qualifiers but nigeria so if we didn't go to the qualifiers what does that mean we're not we're not fielding any boxers next year yeah, there's no boxers you're joking yeah there are no boxers and means there are no boxers and nigeria doesn't have any boxers in the olympics what yeah that's what happened i mean you can research it it's public information that's crazy, man. Yeah. How do we not field boxers for next year's Olympics? Hey, man, like I said, it was it, it, it shocked me. <laughs> it shocked man. me. Man. That's that's Nigeria, man. Oh man, that's embarrassing. There's no way. And to say, oh, we didn't we didn't have the money to fly to Senegal. For goodness sakes, you, you aren't flying to Australia, you're flying to freaking Senegal. Yeah, there was no, for the Olympic qualifiers. I think some Jesus. some of people then came out to say that mm -hmm. oh, we don't have any quality boxers, and they didn't think that the boxers were going to make, but were going to um, be successful. So that's why they didn't care about the boxer. What kind of nonsense is that? You had people flying in from the U.S. They had you, for God's sakes. They had. They said they didn't think any boxers will medal in the Olympics, so there was no reason for us to try to qualify to go to the olympics or are they, uh, look, are they, are they psychic how do how the hell how the fuck do they know <laughs> you when you steal money you start coming up with some nonsense to say like that to the media oh shit man that is crazy crazy another, stuff another, another official said that uh one said <clears throat> we weren't gonna make it because we weren't good enough another official said that the african qualifiers is too easy that they wanted to go to the world qualifiers that is virtually impossible to qualify for you know 
just a whole bunch of nonsense. Is that even possible? Can you go to the world qualifiers without going through Africa qualifiers? Yeah, every every continent has uh, every continent has its own qualifying, which is the easiest route for you to obviously go to the Olympics. And there's a world qualifier where everybody can come and fight for maybe four more spots in the Olympics. So they said uh, the African qualifiers is too easy, so they wanted to go to the world qualifying. You wanted to go through the work for the fires that would challenge our boxers. So yes. tell me, do you do you really want the hardest route to go to the big tournament or you want the easiest route? So that's of course really you that those are the things that came out after they stole all the money. And everybody took their bag and went back to where they came from. I took my I I got another plane ticket to go back go back home. Can you imagine? So yeah, it's wow. nice. All right, so that's just something else, man. Anyways, let's come back stateside. Um, <laughs> so, um, so anyways, so okay, that 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 didn't pan out. So, fourteen win. I mean, fourteen uh, amateur bouts, thirteen wins, one loss, and then you were like, okay, screw it, I'm going, I'm going pro, right? How how does that decision come about? Is it is it like you make decision yourself, or do you get approached by a manager or promoter that says, hey, look, I think you have the goods, you know? Let's 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 take you pro. What happens? You know, um, my the the drums for turning pro had been in my head for uh, since I was like three and zero as an amateur. Um, I remember my first amateur bout. I, I won that bout by a split decision. And after the bout, somebody two two people came up to me and were like, "Wow, you're you're very big. You're pretty good. You're athletic. I see a lot of money. You know." That was after my first um, amateur bout. Um, after mm -hmm. three fights, my coach at that time was talking to me about turning pro. I didn't think that was right because I felt like, I mean, I'd, I'd watch a lot of amateur boxing on USA Boxing, and I just felt like I wasn't, I didn't have that quality and experience and confidence yet. Um, the drums kept rolling up, rolling up, till after my 14th bout. My coach was like, nah, I can't do this anymore. You got to turn pro. You know, I, you need to turn pro. Um, then I kind of left that coach. Yeah, I, I, was going to, I was going to ask, why why the, why the was he rushing you? Why was he pushing you? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to get into that, but uh, I didn't think that was the best thing for me at that time. So okay. I moved to another coach. I moved to Glenn Johnson, the, the famous uh, boxer. Yeah, I remember uh, him. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of I, I gave him my tapes to review i trained around him and he said i he 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 um he mirrored my own what i thought i knew i wasn't ready i knew i wasn't ready and he saw that i wasn't ready um he also felt like fighting more in the amateurs would not help me because i mean you have to fight in the florida you have to fight american nationals and before you get to that world stage of amateur boxers you're going to take a few maybe two more years you know for qualifying tournaments and world championships for you to find the level of quality that you're going to face as a big time professional roy jones level boxer it's going to take mm -hmm. so that's where my amateur career stopped um okay. fortunately all the boxers from the world all the olympic boxers the world championship boxers most of them live in miami and most of them come to Miami to train tropical park fifth street, you know? So, um, I was training with Glenn for about a year. 
Um, a whole year I was with him. I didn't fight any amateur tournaments. I started sparring. Um, he started taking me to the best um, boxers, guys that are my height, my weight, skill, light on their feet, you know, um, Olympic silver medalists, Olympic bronze medalists, you know, former world champions. You know, I started sparring those guys. Um, I mean, I got my ass beat, no doubt, but, you know, I learned valuable lessons. And I, I didn't get my ass beat as in I got beat up. You know, I got beat based on experience. You know, he's more experienced than me. He got me with some punches I'd never seen before, some combinations that you would never, you don't really know exist, you know. But I always held my own in terms of size, strength, stamina, you know, work rate. You know, I always got that going. You know, I always, I always connected my punches. So it wasn't like, it was always a battle. It's just that um, I, I, the expectations that I had for myself, I couldn't really achieve them because they were more experienced than I was. You know, I always wanted to give somebody a complete beat down, and I couldn't do that do it with those guys. You know, so that was the difference with me and those types of guys. But I got yeah. a lot of experience from them. Um, I have a whole another level of confidence from them. These are Olympians, um, and these are world champions, amateur world champions, you know, and they live and train in Miami. And to, to them, I thought I was a great sparring partner because of my size, my height. Uh, whatever I brought to the table. And that's what I did for about a year before I finally turned pro. Um, just training with Glenn every day and sparring with those guys to me was way better than going to the amateur and getting a quick win and feeling good about myself. Maybe I've just beat a guy who is five and up, you know, who just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, who's five and up as an amateur who's just trying to go or go in the amateur open. You know, I would feel myself, but at the end of the day, that's not going to help me in any way. Yeah. You know, so that was the mentality behind that. So I, I built my confidence. I built my reputation in the in the professional boxing community. Um, I started being known a little bit by just in, in the boxing gyms as all the big heavyweight. So that's how my my career started. So I when I when I was ready, I signed with a guy in Rhode Island, um, CES Boxing, Jimmy Birchfield. Is it like a manager or promoter? A promoter. Okay. Was a promoter. I signed with him. Um, I had about two fights with him, um, and things didn't work out. For real. I kept moving. <laughs> what's 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 speaking about the business of boxing, like the whole promoter tag. I think boxing is one of the only few sports that have that tag. What's 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 their role? What's supposed to be the role of a promoter? Like, does the promoter? cover all your expenses, including your living expenses, everything just so you could focus on training and then he makes money off whatever you make through fights. Is that how it works or? It depends on what, uh, <clears throat> it depends on what you agree with the promoter and what the promoter wants to do for you and how the promoter sees you. Um, based on what I had with my promoter, my promoter did not, I don't think he saw, um, just looking back, I don't believe that he saw the future because gotcha. I didn't, he didn't give me a signing bonus. I didn't request one from him. I just wanted the opportunity. Um, when I look back at the contract, I see it as a, mostly a stupid contract, but I, was, I see it as a, a, a contract that is not worth, that was not worth it. And I don't believe that he, he thought it was. I, I, I thought he saw it as him ripping me up. That's the way I see it, uh, looking back. 
Um, at that time, I was excited for the opportunities. Um, if let's assume I'm an Olympic gold medalist and I just come back from the Olympics, mm-hmm. the wants to sign me, he's going to give me at least $3 million as, oh, yeah, okay, take sign with us, signing bonus. Then he's going to worry about my other situations. Okay, you know, what do you need? You know, you're the trainer, I'm going to pay for your trainer. You need this, I'm going to pay for this. Um, your minimum purse is this. You fight, I'll give you five fights a year. I'll give you eight fights in your first year and six fights your next year. And that should bring you to 14-0. and 0. And by the time you're 14-0, and 0, we're going to promote the hell out of you and make you like a world championship contender, maybe get you ranked in WBC, WBA, try to fight for a belt or into the continental belt. You know, a promoter can make things happen based on how much he he likes you. You know, um, gotcha. as just another guy, he would probably give your contract back just another guy, you know. And I, that was what I was in the first time that I signed with the guy that I was signed with. Um, I, I appreciated the opportunity to, at first because I was new to the game and he gave me my first two fights. Um, but after that, we just kept it moving, you know. Did you, did you wait till the contract was uh, over officially or you? Mutually uh, agreed to I, waited, I waited till it was breached. Okay. Then I, I uh, kept it moving. Okay. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> and then what happened after that? Um, I became a free agent. You know, I started doing my own thing. Um, started promoting myself, which is the hardest thing to to do. Uh, trying to fight on different shows. Uh, obviously, we started. Putting my, I started putting my own money on my own career for the first few times, you know, because when you come up with that kind of contract, you're 2-0 as a boxer. Um, it's hard for people to take you seriously and try to put money on you, so you have to get yourself some more wins, get myself about three more wins, um, partner with some more promoters here in Miami, Florida, you know, brought up a crowd for them for their events and, you know, won the fights that I was given. So Miami being a big city also, you know, that would help you gather some clout, you know, and yeah. that so far. So are you signed with those guys now that promoted no, your anybody? I'm still a free agent and I, I hope to be a free agent for from now on. So what you do is you try to work with promoters on a per fight basis, right? Yeah, exactly. So they 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 essentially will promote the fight and then they get a part of the purse no uh, we 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 negotiate what i get from it um so they know that every time i fight i have a a set number of people that are going to come um so the last fight that i had i I had about 300 to 400 people that came through um, so, so the the gate is what they. Yeah, I mean they they make I might make something from the gate or you know we it depends on what the negotiations is, uh, negotiations are what what aspects of it, you know there are many money mon- there are many money making opportunities in boxing. There is live gate, there's the television, there is the concessions, there is the merchandise sales, there is the parking, there is the, what else is there. Yeah, is 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 it's similar to every other yeah, it's like you know, rev- revenue generation is similar to what you see in every other sport. But I think for do you have a do you work with a manager? No, I have no manager. Um I don't is, have a manager. Is that by choice or is that something that 
Um, I think I will need one. I don't know if I need one at the moment, um, but I think I'm coming close to the point where I'm going to need one. Yeah. Um, possible. Hopefully, after my next fight, I'm going to need one. Um, but I haven't really given much thought to it. Yeah, but, take your time. Uh, yeah, you know, I think for you, just you know, identifying specifically what you want. Yeah. Out of yeah the relationship. Exactly. Yeah. But generally, if you if they say we'll hire a manager, there's a there's a set template of what a manager is going to do for you. Correct. Those things that <clears throat> is going to do for me on paper that has been templated over time, I don't need a manager to do that for me. Correct. So if I'm going to hire a manager, I have a list of things that I want you to do for me. So exactly. I'm really going to have to hire a manager to do certain things for me. You know, not because I want you to go and negotiate a contract for me and get thirty percent. It's, it's not. That's mm -hmm. not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You no, know, yeah. but that's that's exactly. I think you're approaching it the right way. Is in terms of yeah. it has to fit into what you are looking for. You're hiring the exactly. person. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So if it's not what you what you want, then there's no point. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, being a big boxing fan myself, and you know, I've always looked at it from like in boxing, like oh, promoters, promoters, like you know. But then there's some fighters that you see, you know, kind of like a Bernard Hopkins and some other guys who they're their own promoter. Yeah, you know, you know, but though, but it's hard. It's hard to do. <clears throat> it's hard to be your own promoter. Yeah, it's I bet. Hard. Yeah, so I think for you, it's 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 the function of okay. I fought all these guys. How how are the fights? How are the matchups made? Like, um, you, you uh, they, there's, there's always a matchmaker. So the matchmaker's job is to decide. Um, first of all, what do you want? My job is to. My goal is to be in a world title contention by the end of 2021. Um. Either I should be fighting for a world title in January of 2022, or I should be in the conversation by the at that time. So the matchmaker has to take that into account and give you guys to fight for you to get there. You have to beat those guys, you know. So that means that you have to be on your A game. So there's a matchmaker for that, you know. Now if you, <laughs> you want to just balloon your record to 40 and 0, 40 knockouts. There's a matchmaker for that. <laughs> you know, he can give you he can give you 40 guys to <clears throat> and to knock out to get your numbers to 40 and 0. Now, is that, is that is that a good thing? Yeah, it could be good because 40 and 0, 40 knockouts sounds sexy. You know, all the television stations want to see that you who's this guy who's knocked out 40 people, not caring about where those 40 people came from or who they really are. But you know what? In 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 this kind of game, it it could get you to the big dance in the sense that, you know, let's say someone is fifteen and zero as a heavyweight, people could start saying, "Wait a second, there's a guy that's fifteen and zero." Yes. In, in Miami, maybe we need to. And if they have a boxer on their roster who's looking to fight someone that's also coming up. That could get that boxer that's fifteen and no an opportunity to fight that guy who's on the network. Yes. And then if you now if you now knock that guy out, <laughs> now you're in contention. Yes. Now, you, now, yeah. Now you're in contention, but you still are your own promoter, and now yeah. you have a network. You see what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. So, you know that. Yeah, like I said, it depends on what you want as a boxer and how fast you want to move. Now. I, I say that because I'm moving as fast as I want to move. Um, mm -hmm. Some people don't have that choice. Some people, 
um, fighters are picked for them, and they have to do what they have to do regardless of how they feel, you know. Um, but I get to decide how I want to fight and how I want to go about it. That's why I say that, oh, it depends on what you want as a boxer. Um, my goals, the match, any matchmaker, any matchmaker that I work with has to take my goals into consideration and say, hey, listen, man, I'm trying to be a fighter for a title in, in 12 months. Get me the fighters to beat that I can get there. You know, the goal is to get to get ranked in the top 15 on box rack in in 12 months. If you're in the top 15 in box rack heavyweight in the world, so you're you're currently eight or no right now, right? Yes. Okay. So how many fights do you think you may want to have next year? Um, I want to have eight fights next year. Wow, eight. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously that I would love to have eight fights. Now, why do I say that? I'm not on the Anthony Joshua level or on the Deontay Wilder level where, you know, I have to go into uh, two months of major promotion. Another yeah, yeah, yeah. Camp and another, maybe another two weeks before the fight to do another promotion, then fight. You know, I don't have that four-month space to fight, to, to make a fight happen. So I can still fight on the ground underground you know and just accumulate the quality wins so that by the time i get there you know i'm ready to go you know so um when 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 these guys were coming out they were fighting at the same rate too before they were well known so mm -hmm. it's a long time to make it happen you know i hear you man no nah, man i think listen i think you're gonna be very successful yeah you know that's me though i'm 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 a little biased too but <laughs> but i think you'll be fine man i think you know you just continue to train, you know, the way you train. How do you do five hours in the gym? I mean, you gotta, you kind of have to split it up. You know, you wake up in the morning at five o'clock, you train from 6 a.m. to 8 o'clock, you come back to the gym, 5.30, train till 8.30, you go home and, you know, repeat it. 5.30 to 8.30, that's like three hours, right? So what, what do you do? You go in, you jump I mean, the morning is ma is mainly, uh, The morning is mainly strength, strength and conditioning. The evening is boxing, and I do that because typically um, you box in the, uh, in the evenings. You don't really box in the mornings. You fight, yeah. in the so that's why yeah. I do my time like that. So, what are your boxing workouts like? You know, I, I do boxing workouts to stay in shape. And so, you you um do you like jump rope to start off the warm up for a couple number of rounds, then shadow box, then what happened? Um, I, I used to do shadow boxing a lot, but I no sorry I said shadow box. I used to do a uh, jump roping a lot before. Um, I used to do it for about twenty to twenty five minutes, but mm -hmm. I don't do that anymore. Um, I'm trying. Is that, is that in three minute increments where you? No, I did both. I, I go about fifteen hundred. I, I counted fifteen hundred okay. uh, jumps. Um, I, I did it for maybe 20, 20 25 minutes um i used to do that but now i don't do that anymore i'm doing more of i changed my strength and conditioning um the strength and conditioning team so we're not really doing long long haul um what they call it we're not really doing long haul um, trainings anymore we're trying to cut it down to short bus explosive type workouts so part of that is cutting down my workouts you know i'm sorry cutting down my my warm up your warm up, yeah. So I have to cut the jump rope off. Um, I just do like a quick, effective warm up. Warm up on my joints. There's a there's a there's a there's a set of exercises I have to do before that. 
um, then get in the ring. Um, we do about nine rounds of uh, nine, seven to nine rounds of shadow boxing, and um, the coach gets to decide how many rounds on the back. We got to do it depending on what we're training for. So the rest after after my shadow boxing, however much I want to do, um, Glenn decides what we're doing after that. If we're doing the mids, if we're doing the bag, how many we're doing, what bag we're using, what we're working on. And when we're done, we do the abs, do the stretch, and keep it moving. Do you uh do you just do the heavy bag or you do double end bag? Do you yeah, do we do all of that. I mean, we do the heavy bag, we do the <coughs> aqua bag, the long aqua bag, the yeah. uppercut aqua bag, the the there's a big round heavy bag, there's a double end bag. Um, depends on what the coach wants, you know. I got you. At that time. You know, it depends. Also, depends on the kind of opponent. If it's a short opponent that's moving his head a lot, we got to go on the double end bag a lot. You know, and just yeah, yeah. dive in there and throw on the right hand, not just to miss it or whatever. You know. Yeah. So I saw you. I saw your, um, your video of your fight, man. You fight. You fight well behind that jab. Which so one you, that? The one uh, Imo sent me one. Uh, I mean, I think he knocked the guy out in like second round or something. But he sent me a video of you fighting it looked like someone you knew was videotaping it because i could hear them kind of screaming and cheering for you um i'll send it to you so you can see but yeah. it was it, it, but a very recent one i don't know how old it was the guy oh. you fought was also another florida guy okay i know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. and you, i could tell you were fighting well behind the jab which yeah. is, uh, and with your reach, that jab is going to be a hard <laughs> thing for, for for anyone to get away from because the guy was in trouble. As soon as the fight started, I was like, oh, this guy is not going to make it. <laughs> you know, because you just started off with the jab really well. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, actually, um, in that fight, I, I wanted to initially make it a fight because we knew it was an aggressive guy. And the way to fight a bully is to try to bully him. Yeah. You're taking away his strength. If you back yeah. down from the bully, um, he would feel comfortable. So um, I wanted to start like that, you know, because he has a bully yeah. style of boxing. And he clipped me that I wobbled. And I, you know, then I was like, you know what? Let's just keep pushing the jab in his face. So when he tried to do his bully boxing, my jab was long enough to keep him away from that. And when I realized that, okay, you know what? His hands are coming down. He's a little tired. He's moving, he's moving in ways that he didn't want to move before. You know, he's missing punches because in boxing, and you're missing punches, that's when you get tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of punches. And he was not just not just tired, but tired and frustrated. That's when I hit him with a straight right. You know, that, that was it, yeah. That was kind of it. That that's your um that's your go to sleep punch, right? The straight right? Yes. Um, I would say yeah, <laughs> yes, because you won't know when it's coming. Um, I'll hit you with so many jabs first. And you would think a jab is coming there, and you just see a sweet, uh, right? Yeah. So do, do they? Does your coach try to get you to uh, switch to southpaw? Or are you southpaw? No, you're not. You're not southpaw. You're orthodox, right? I'm orthodox. He doesn't try to get you to do that, right? No, not at all. You know, I, when I hit him with a straight right, um, I had a for for two minutes. I had already kept. I, I held the right hand. Yeah, um, I mean, I've been throwing the right hand just to keep him at bay, just to make. But I didn't throw the right hand well. Um, I didn't really like the way I threw the right hand, but it wasn't really to 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 do anything to him. 
it was more to keep him afraid, you know, just, well, the jab was the real factor. The jab was to keep him sleeping. Yeah. And uh, when I realized that he wasn't respecting the jab anymore because some of the jab, like, you know, some of the jabs were thrown as pity patty jabs. So he could, he felt like the jabs were, were soft. He can walk through the jab. That's when I hit him with a straight right. Because then he was already expecting a jab and his hands yeah. were down. When he hit him with a straight right, that's when I knew that, okay, yeah, this guy's ready to go home. Yeah. You know someone that was a master at um, using the range, the jab, and, and just setting up that right hand was Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis was yeah, Jesus, man. I mean, I went back and I watched his fight against Tyson. Uh -huh. And, you know, most people don't give him the credit he deserves for – they try to say, oh, Tyson was over the hill. Listen, man. Not true. He schooled him. <clears throat> he – he. Yeah, he older than Tyson. Yeah, he, he threw that jab so much and when Tyson tried to slip it and try to come in, the uppercut yeah. was waiting for him. Yeah. I mean, and let us take that one step back. Yeah. Connect to that uppercut and come back with a hook. Be Tyson all day, every day. Every day. Yeah. Not a, that was not a contest, in my opinion. I'm, yeah. Lennox Lewis was the truth, <laughs> man. That not had nothing to do with Tyson went to prison. None of that. None of that, no. Yeah. Lennox Lewis was the truth. Yeah. He was the truth. Let's call it what it is. He was special, man. And then the way you fight, you know, the, he, he had that same style. Yeah. You know, and, and his coach was one of the best, Emmanuel Stewart. So, yeah. you know, he he just, you know, perfected that style. That's why all those guys became champions. You know, Vladimir, all those guys, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man. Kudos to you, bruv. I think you know, yeah, man. Long journey, but you here. We're here, man, and we we're yeah. moving forward, man. We have a long way to go, you know. We yes, have, sir. We have a lot more years, <clears> and <throat> we keep pushing. We keep. You're pushing. gonna be all, yeah. Listen, I think you're gonna be all right, man. You know, you so. sometimes when you go through a lot of different things, it helps build character and keeps yeah. discipline. And um, you know, and I and I think yeah, at that point where you know things have been able to mold you properly. Yeah. And um, you know, boxing is a tough sport, but I think you've you've been through stuff and you've played other sports that are also tough. Um, you know, and you work extremely hard. So, listen, I think you're going to be very successful. Let me know when your next fight is coming up, so I can. Sure, man. The next one is uh, January. <laughs> okay, it's in six. Is in eight weeks. Um, the 23rd of January. It's going to be here in Miami, Florida. Um, okay. How do I watch? How do I watch it remotely? If I wanted to, um, I think it's gonna be on YouTube. It's gonna be live stream for free on YouTube. So, okay. um, send me yeah the links to people who can come to the arena. It's yeah. an outdoor arena, so it's relatively safe for people to to be there. Um, there's yeah. gonna implement a lot of social distancing. So, um, it's it's fifty. It's at fifty percent capacity. Um, okay. So it's, it's it should be a good one. Should be a good one on that day. I beg, let me know. Make I make I come watch. I'm a, it Good should job. be fun. I'm <laughs> you come down or you want to live? Stream? Listen, if because you know Canadian border right now is closed, they're not allowing Americans yeah. in. So I don't even know if we can we could do that trip. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would love to come down. If not this yeah. one, um, maybe another one. Yeah, I haven't been to Miami in a minute. I love that city, man. That city is yeah. amazing. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, if not this one, maybe the next one. But the video for sure. And then, you know, um, I'll definitely 
have to schedule something so I can come down in person to come see you. For sure, man. See, see you fight, man. Yeah. I'll yeah, be I was, fighting there too. I'll be there. What was that? I'll be there on that night too. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, no, I'll no. Fighting. I know, I know. Listen, you be you be out there fighting in January, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Listen, send me the link. For sure, for sure. Yeah, please. Yeah, and um we'll schedule a fight depending on how often you fight. I don't know, because you say you want to do eight fights next year. It's yeah, just, hopefully. Yeah. So depending on how often you have, fight. I already have commitment for about five five days next year. Okay. Uh, seems I can get maybe three more to just wrap up the year. Yeah. Are they all in Miami? Do you always fight in Miami? Yeah, do you... It's gonna be all in Miami because that's really where my um, my following is. Okay. And I'm not really signed to a, a top rank or early hearn right now. That's gonna give me that international exposure. So right now I'm just focused on my city, and my city is a big city. You know, yeah, it is. Miami, it is. It's, Miami is not just a big city, but it's an international city. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like fighting in London or fighting in New York. If you are, if you're big in New York, you're literally big. In you're big, yeah, 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 absolutely. So I don't see any reason why I should ignore my city and start looking for international exposure when I live in an international city. Yeah. Facts. Good point. Yeah, it's a good point. Before you go, what do you, what do you think about Ife? Ajakba? It's amazing, man. When you ask me what do I think about Ife, what do you mean? In terms of his skills, you know, he, he, was, great, he was able to go to Olympics with, for Niger and all yeah, that. Yeah, I think he's fundamentally sound. Um, yeah. I think his jab is amazing. Uh, one thing I like about his jab that he, he doesn't telegraph his jab. Um, he shoots his jab from guard. You know, some people, they do this. He does this. You know what I'm saying? Some people, mm -hmm. fight, they load up and they shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does that. He just, he just throws it straight, yeah. He just throws it and catches <clears throat> it. And he finishes his right, you know. I think that's amazing. And I think that is what his his power is. I mean, obviously, I, I box, so I know all those key, tiny details. Mm -hmm. um, that has helped him a lot. Um, he's very strong. Um, he has that uh, Nigerian mentality of we die here. You know? <laughs> so I think that's dope. Um, I think he's a quality fighter. I think he's going to be a champion sooner than later or at least have a world title shot. And I believe that if he catches any of these champions right now, he will do damage. Are uh, you serious? Yeah. Now, do I think he's going to get the opportunity I don't know um, because uh, boxing has a lot to do with political promotion. You know, the ability to market yourself. Um, I don't know if he's done a lot of work in that department in terms of pushing himself. Uh, putting, if I go on the streets of Houston, Texas right now, if you're not Nigerian, you know, he needs yeah. to make a household name. So that's only yeah. probably holding him back. And I think he's starting to understand that, you know. And I think, I mean, it's not it's not just him, but if you also notice, the underwater just recently understood that, like less than three years ago. Yeah, you know, the underwater was a was a was a high level knockout artist for years, and only people in boxing really knew who he was. Then Anthony Joshua came into the game and just swept the whole media market. You know, then Deontay Wilder started realizing, okay, you know what? Maybe I should go get myself a logo. Maybe I should go start 
you know, putting one or two things in the media every day. Bomb, bomb squad. <laughs> bomb squad, you know. I already yeah. think maybe I should start talking about it till this day, you know. <laughs> you know, maybe I should start making the, you know, the suits and all that. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 and, yeah, uh, yeah. A regular boxer who just wanted to fight to, like, uh, a cash cap. Yeah. Maybe that's what changed for him. And uh, I think, I mean, every boxer wants to just fight, you know, but the unfortunate part of our sport is you have to understand that this is, this is entertainment business, this is event management, this is promotion, and it's imperative on you to actually do the work, um, promoting yourself as a person and promoting your fight. And I think he'll get it, you know. Um, I think he'll, he'll, he'll get it, you know. I think he's quality enough. So to fight for a title, and he, he given the opportunity that he will he will win the title. Um, it's just uh, it's just a political game, you know. He's not. I don't know if he's a household name yet to get that opportunity. I mean, talk yeah. about dollars. Yeah, he left. He left PBC and went to um, top rank, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. He's with top rank now. Um, yeah. And I he changed know. trainers. He used to go with Ronnie Shields, and he left yeah. Ronnie Shields. And, yeah, yeah. He's with someone else now. <clears throat> Uh, I, think, I think he believes that's good for him. I don't really know the difference between both trainers. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what's good for him or what's not, he's still a good fighter. Yeah, he's a hell of a fighter. Yeah. yeah he's still yeah, a hell good of a fighter. You know, it, if it's, you could tell he has that stiff jab and yeah, yeah, yeah. like you said, telegraph. Yeah. yeah. Boxing, that's all you really need. You know, just shoot the jab from from guard. You cannot can't be stopped. Yeah, and, uh, he he's though he sits with his legs straight, he still sits on the floor. You know, he's not he's not <clears throat> he's strong with it. Put it that way. Hundred percent. No, if he's if he's solid and and yeah. he's, I, I see him being undefeated for a while. Yeah. You know, but to your point, you know, the way the American market works and the society is just hey, you have to you have to make some noise. Yeah, you and unfortunately because you're competing with the NBA, you're competing. I mean, look at what how much NBA players are making five year 168. You know, if that's dominating the news and you have a fight coming this weekend, you'd be lost in the tracks because LeBron James and his boys are just making close to a billion dollars and everybody's interested in that. You know, yeah, facts, facts. You have to do extra, make extra noise to promote your fight. You know, um, you have football to worry about. You have a whole lot of other things to worry about. You're not only the you're not the only um, entertainment um, thing that's going on in your city at that time. You know, some people cringe on to boxing because they feel like, oh, boxing is uh, it's a dangerous sport. Until they come to a boxing fight and they see that, wow, this is actually cool. You know, yeah, yeah. Behind it, but if they watch it on TV or they hear about it or they hear about the dangers of it. You know, they only see the negative sides. They don't see the art, artistic element of it. They don't see the the creative element of it. They just see it as boxing, runaway. Yeah. So, so yeah, you have no. to make some money, and if you want to be an opportunity, you have to find a way to break that mold for yourself. You know, I think he hasn't done it yet, but I think he's doing it. He's 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 in, on tracks to do it, and I think he's in the right position to start making it happen. Uh, I, I, if it is going to be all right, just watching him. But you know, like you said, the the, I guess the Deontay Wilder playbook is something he should look at and yeah, 
and try yeah. to figure out how to you know create more of a social media presence, do exactly. more of these uh, YouTube boxing channel interviews. Yes, you know, get more trendy. Yeah, do show up on Fight Night. Let them put you on ESPN interviewing with Andre Ward. Yeah. You know, he has to do all those things. You yeah, know? you have to do it. Unfortunately, you just have to. <laughs> you know, you have to. I mean, one thing that I have to do now. I had a. I had a. a Last week I had a uh, an interview with Telemundo, and now I have to learn Spanish because in Miami you're going to speak in with Spanish people. So if yeah. I want to tap into the Spanish market, I, I should at least have the basic knowledge of Spanish. Yeah, you know, I need to yeah. show them that um, I'm going to. I'm trying to be in tune with them. Yeah, even if I'm try, I'm butchering the language. I need to show that I'm trying, and I'm trying my possible best to get in touch with them. Yeah, that way the city could come behind you, right? Exactly. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've been to Miami, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, the city could come behind you. If there are any kind of community type events going on in, you know, Little Havana or wherever, you know, and you say, hey, y'all go show up and help, you know, those sort of things will draw people to you. They'll get yeah. to identify with you and then they'll come out to your fight to support you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. No, I get it, man. You come out to your fight, you knock somebody out, they tell their friends, and you don't know who would, you know. Yeah, that's how it grows. No, 100%, man. If you if you, if you you run into Jorge Masvidal there, that might be a guy that can, <laughs> they yeah. love him, man. Oh, oh uh, Masvidal? Yeah, they love him down there, man. Yeah. That's 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 yeah. a guy that if you, if, you, if, if you ever run into him, then yeah, you know. Because I know he's a Miami guy, right? They love Miami him. Guy. Yeah. yeah, I know. Actually, so, I've actually spoke to him on FaceTime before about a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think you're right. You're absolutely right. Getting in with the community and building those more and more relationships and trying to find out what's going on in the city that you could, you know, the city to get behind you. I mean, look at what Terrence Crawford is doing in Nebraska, Omaha. Yeah. Yeah, no one ever guessed there'll be a boxing match in Omaha, Nebraska. Nebraska. <clears throat> I've been there before. That place is cold. Like cold. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, I've been to Omaha before. It's very cold. <laughs> it snows like crazy. Yeah. So, but yeah, man. Hey, Rafael, appreciate you. Thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate All the you. best. I appreciate you know, the No wahala, my brother. I'm here with the yarn now. So, right, and, <clears throat> you know, you know, I, I do have that background in sports business. So if you want to bounce anything off me, feel free to shoot me a message. Sure, man. Um, all right, my guy. Take out music, man. All right, sir. One. Yes, sir.